Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about AEW and NXT from last night, especially the endings from both shows, completely different, but I think on the mark we get into that and the great work AEW and NXT are doing during this really difficult time. Also, we hear from the landlord of the House of Hardcore, the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, will join us and talk about what he's been watching and also two new things that he did that he's never done before. Also, we have an amazing sit-down interview with Hall of Famer Jim Ross and talk about his book, Under the Black Hat. We do that all right now on the Busted Open Podcast. The innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, how are you, man? Good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm excited. I get to talk to Tommy Dreamer at you know at uh, nine fifteen in the morning. Oh, ten yeah. fifteen in the morning. Whatever time it is. Ten fifteen. I feel like it's West Coast, Until so it's seven fifteen in the morning. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. The time differences are crazy everywhere. We're all because you know, just like everybody else, we're all in different locations while we're doing this show. But I'm glad that we're doing it for the busted open nation. And Tommy, we kind of set an assignment for each other when we said goodbye yesterday. We'll we'll get into everything that happened last night. But did you watch any uh, any wrestling besides you know AEW and NXT? Did you watch any wrestling yesterday? I did. I did my cardio to Georgia Championship Wrestling, and it was a rare one. I opened up, and it was Bob Backlund in his green suit for Georgia Championship Wrestling, defending the WWF heavyweight title. And he had an excellent match. It wasn't. It was a really good wrestling match with a uh, man. I don't remember the guy's name. He was uh, an enhancement talent, but uh, he had a really, really good match. And I could not believe how jacked Bob Backlund was. And he's a guy who's always primed himself on his physique. But man, this was 1979 and he was jacked. And then I remember reading his book. He hated going down to uh, Georgia, but he did it because Vince Sr. sent him down there. And he uh, he had a famous later on match with uh, Ric Flair, title versus title. And then after that, he never went back ever again. So what year was this? Do you know? For what I was watching on 
on YouTube. It, yeah. was, uh, it was I found somebody who has real all long episodes. Uh, the show before was it was 1979 uh, from whenever this one aired, and then uh, I had just finished watching. Uh, a previous episode, and they brought in Rock Hunter back as the manager, who was a pretty good uh, manager. I didn't really remember him, um, but he was a good promo person. And he was talking about the wrestlers he was scouting, who were uh, Ivan Koloff and Alexei Smirnoff. And uh, he was talking about the great Mephisto being in the area. And, you know, they were talking about bringing this, you know, Bob Backlund was coming in. Uh, and then the very next week, so that it's almost it's broken up episodic uh, episodic episodes, which I really really enjoyed. And then I went back to the WWE Network later on at night. It's kind of my uh, my new thing that I start watching to uh, fall asleep. And back to 1979, when a young Tommy Dreamer was just getting into wrestling, and uh, the main event was. Steve, Travis, and man, who the hell was the other dude? Oh, Tony Gurria versus uh, Baron Miguel Cicluna. And uh, man, who was the other guy? I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. And Steve Travis won with a vicious small package. Nice. Vicious small package? Nice. That's awesome. Yep. I mean, and, 1979, uh, that's so cool. Yeah, and like I said, we were talking about it yesterday. This is what you know wrestling is going to because they would go from the matches and then they would go and cut their promos, and their promos are what you know really separated the men from the boys in the sense of who was going to have drawing ability and drawing power. And back then, there wasn't a lot of uh, great, great talkers, and there wasn't you know some of this wrestling is horrible to watch, and uh, it's like such bad punches and kicks but if you just take it for appreciate it for what it was I'm sorry it was uh, Victor Rivera and uh, Baron Sakuna and Tony Gurria was in the match before against Bad News Alan Cohage who was later become Bad News Brown who had a full set of hair and it was uh, pretty cool to watch him Him and Tony Gurria had a really good match that was a match That's before awesome. and uh Maybe it was Steve Travis and Larry Zabisco versus Sakun and what you call, but they won. But uh, back what I was saying, you know, it was they would go to the they would the managers would either either talk for them, or you know Vince McMahon was the announcer and he would just go right up to the ring and they'd do some long ass interviews, which you know, like I said, some people would thrive and some people were like, oh my god, how would they make it all these years? <laughs> and then I went to Mid Atlantic. 1982 wow. and you're a busy man. Yesterday. The house of Humperdinck. I'm sorry. No, I said, you're a busy man yesterday. Well, I watch. I really only watch one match from each territory. Okay. But, uh, I watched two from WWE and cardio. I got to kill 45 minutes. So that's, and there's no more. I normally watch wrestling when I do cardio or sports. So I don't have that. I got to keep, I can't keep track of all my favorite teams anymore. So we got to substitute it with now YouTube. I have two TVs set up, too. I'll send you a picture, and Gabby can uh, put it up there. I have two TVs right next to each other because I don't know how to put my one TV is not smart and my other TV is smart. So I have the smart TV for YouTube and stuff. Um, <laughs> Mid-Atlantic, 1982, the House of Humperdinck is reigning supreme. 
and uh, a young Mike Rotundo keeps online to face bad news. Um, what's his name? Bad news Brown. And he keeps on every week. He's getting injured and he keeps losing to him, but he's coming back each and every week. I think one day he's going to, he's going to uh, take it on. The house of is running Supreme in mid Atlantic. Then mid South. I have a big match on deck, which I'm actually excited for. Crusher Darso, he turned on America, and he's going to go face the junkyard dog. And they were once friends, but nope, he decided to turn on him. And world class is Kabuki and the Magic Dragon versus the Von Erics, which I watched, and it was a long ass match, and it was good. I was a big fan of Kabuki; I was always afraid of him. And uh, the Magic Dragon, I did my research on him. He was really, really good, uh, and unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, in a, an accident way before his time, but all these guys had managers and it was, it was really what, uh, you know, like I said, what we're seeing in wrestling, cause we've seen another manager debut in NXT last night. And, uh, I'm liking it, digging it. What do you want? Yeah. And I, I so you're, you're going to love this, not so much the quality that you are watching, but you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show. I went back and I watched some Polynesian Pacific pro wrestling from 1985, <laughs> but, and, and I that actually, I, but there was one match in particular, which was the entire show. I actually posted this on Twitter yesterday. Um, uh, a, a one-hour time limit draw between Kerry Von Erich and, and Ric Flair. It was the entire show was this match with Ric Flair and, and Kerry Von Erich. So that was exceptional. I posted it at, uh, at David LaGreca 1. And then I watched California Championship Wrestling from nineteen from June of 1986. And, and Tommy, uh, somebody who's a frequent caller here, has been a fan of the show since day one, Scott from L.A., his father is Jeff Walton, and he was Tux Newman in California Championship Wrestling. So I was, I, I thought that was funny. I actually, you know, took a picture of it. But yes, yeah, Scott from LA, who calls into our show all the time, his father was Scott Walton. I mean, it was Jeff Walton, who was uh, Tux Newman in uh, California Championship Wrestling. So I watched that. Um, Rocky Johnson was on it, you know wrestling enhancement talent rocky johnson looked great and then Jim, jimmy snooker had a match with um billy anderson um and it was god awful and jimmy snooker was terrible and so this is 1986 tommy everybody in the venue was chanting piper's name it was surreal watching like Jimmy Superfly Snooker, who's one of the most popular wrestlers of all time, and probably two years f removed from when he was at his peak in the WWF, and he's wrestling in front of you know 500 fans, and they're all chanting Piper. Nice, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that was uh, well because also I mean Piper got his roots there and started there. Yeah, and, you know when he was a kid and. That was the end, pretty much, I want to say, the, the beginning of the end for that company, too. Um, but, man, I never even saw that company. I'm going to go back and try to find that. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff on YouTube, and you should definitely check it out. And I kind of like with you, Tommy, because, you know, with the world of pro wrestling and how fast it moves, even in these times, how fast it continues to move. I mean, I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching some of the old school pro wrestling. I know of a lot of our fans go to the WWE Network and watch some of the old school stuff. So I think it's kind of cool that myself and then you, Tommy, like, 
to, to kind of to kind of, to kind of tell everybody what we're watching and things to recommend. And I know a lot of people are trying to kill time, so I think it's kind of fun to to just kind of clue in the nation on what we're watching on a day to day basis. Yeah, and then for Netflix, I'm killing, uh, finishing Narcos, and I only watch one episode a day because it is so phenomenal. The Tiger King. Oh, I love The Tiger King. It's so great. <laughs> it's my daily treat. <laughs> Have you well, seen it yet? No, I, I've, I, I haven't watched it yet. I've been watching. All I've been oh, doing my. is watching wrestling, Tommy. Okay, well. Go outside for a half a second, start cleaning something. I know your house is pretty much clean. Mine's not, but I cleaned out my uh, weight room. I had a nice piece of machinery back there, and I finally uh, able to get it. And I found a lot of old wrestling magazines. I found some magazines Ooh. that I was in that I had, of course, put in my, what you would call protective covering, but found a bunch of old wrestling magazines. I actually found Chris Candido's uh, wrestling magazines. And uh, I also found uh, two magazines, which I remember, and I was excited when I got it, with uh, an autograph from Adrian Adonis uh, and Bob Backlund on the same cover. And uh, Backlund is putting Adonis in this, like, arm hold, and they were on the cover of The Wrestler. And uh, I have that autograph by Adonis and Backlund and another one with Sergeant Slaughter's autograph. So it was a, a nice little find in my house. And once the uh, we get back to normal, I'm selling everything. There's going to be a big Tommy Dreamer. Ooh, you're going to have sale. a garage sale? Oh, I can't. I got to go to that. Oh, my gosh. Or an online you're not selling wrestling sale, stuff, are you? You're going to sell, like, your wrestling stuff, uh, too? I think I'm going to let it go. Wow. Why? Because it takes up a lot of space. And then I probably will also need money. I don't have any. And I could tell you where I was supposed to be this weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, for about the last, I mean, since it went out of business, I've had every ECW banner, every pay-per-view banner. I've had every ring skirt. Um, I've had canvases. I have uh, everything that Joey Styles used to talk uh, was behind him. And I've, you know, WWE has always said, oh, no, save it. We want it. We want it. Every summer, I'm like, dude, I got to get rid of this. And then, you know, I tell them everything is in mint condition and you don't hear back from them. And so I was like, you know what? Screw them. I'm just going to give it to somebody else who wants it, not just to sit in a warehouse because it's been sitting in my own warehouse for a long time. Well, let me know, man. Let me get some first dibs because I'll, I'll be the highest bidder for sure, especially some of the stuff that you mentioned on the show today. Um Tommy, uh, really quick before we before we let you go, and thank you so much for the time, as always, each and every morning. Tom, it's it's great talking to you, and I know the nation loves hearing from you. You're such a big part of the show. And um, uh, wait, let NXT- me tell you, I, I also said, hang on one second. I said oh. I did. I'm doing one thing new every day. So you want to know the first thing I did? What you'll love it. What my heels for some reason cracked on my feet so i put lotion on my feet for the first time ever you never wait a second you (laughs) never you put the lotion on your heel you never have ever put lotion on your feet uh never on my heels no and really no i don't like the feeling of it um i think it feels gross i so i have a hard time actually reaching my feet because of wrestling (laughs) So oh, man. I had to lay on my back like a turtle 
and fold my leg in its own figure four. And I had to put lotion on my cracked heels, which felt disgusting. And then I had to walk around like slippery heels. Oh, it was gross. I hated it. But I did that for the first time. All right. So the, so this is this is monumental. So for the first time <laughs> ever. Time, wait, breaking. You hit the break. Bup, 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 bup. Uh, for the first time ever, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, put lotion on his feet. Um, specifically his heels of his feet. So a first time ever, man. That That's Tommy. That's awesome. I'm glad you're sharing these first times with the busted open nation. And the day before, because I said I had two, I purchased soap for the first time ever in my life. Fifth, wait a second, 49 wait a years I went. Wait a second. Hold on. Breaking news. <laughs> The innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, for the first time ever, purchased soap. You've never per- – it's amazing to me. Well, the reason why is because I've been on the road since I'm 20 years old. I lived at home, so mommy always purchased soap. But, mm-hmm. however, I <laughs> always stole shampoo and soap from hotels, but my supply is running low and stupid Beulah last year made me go to donate half my stash to the homeless, and now I got nothing. All right, so So we're going to have to... That was emergency soap because, you know, they said you got to get soap. You, you, you need soap for washing. Um, and, you know, dude, I'm Tommy, I'm sorry, man. I know a lot of people are going through what you're going through right now, especially in our community where, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they've had their calendar. I know you've had your calendar of gigs set up for the next few months, especially at this time because this is like the busiest time with WrestleMania season. And I know a lot of people are, are, are losing out on gigs, losing out on money. And I, I feel so bad, Tommy. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that this wraps up soon so we get back to normal. But especially for a lot of people to just get, be able to, to, to make money because this is, you know, a livelihood for a lot of people. And, and, and Tommy, I can't wait till you're back on that calendar and going and doing your gigs, traveling so we can find out each and every weekend what you got going on. I was supposed to be uh, locked in a cage this weekend, lethal lockdown, Team Eddie Edwards. Now it well, ain't hopefully happening. that's going to happen. Well, hopefully it's going to happen soon, Tommy. And, and man, just give me a heads up when you're going to have this garage sale, please, because I'm probably going to just completely use every penny that's in Abigail's college fund, and it'll be worth it. Believe me, she's not going to go anywhere anyway. So, um, Tommy, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that at least for the foreseeable future, can we can we do this uh, Monday through through Monday through Thursday? Have you you call in at seven fifteen every morning if that's possible? Absolutely. Yes, and then we can find out what Remember, Tommy you Dreamer's do something new as well. Well, I, I can't guarantee that, but we do know when you call in, we're going to find out what you've been watching, and then we're going to find out the one thing that you've done that you've never done before. Tommy, again, thank you for buying soap. Thank you for putting lotion on your feet, and thank you for just being a friend. And I love you, man. And and thank you so much for joining us today. Love you too. See you guys right. later. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Can you imagine that fat 
bastard <laughs> trying to put lotion on his own feet. Well, he said it was kind of like he was kind of like a turtle, the way he had to like. <laughs> but, you know, I almost had, he had to put himself in the figure four leg lock in order to be able to put the lotion on his feet. Could you imagine him on his back like a giant obese <laughs> turtle with just skin flopping down to the sides, like his man boobs hanging down to the side and him trying to get his feet up close to his head so he could put lotion on his feet? His, he said his heels are cracking. Why do things crack? Because they're under too much stress and too much pressure. Think of all that weight just hanging down on his heels. Imagine what his heels look like. I mean, he just bought soap for the first time. (laughs) What a filthy, disgusting man. Well, to defend Tommy on this, he he does visit a lot of hotels and motels. So he has the soaps. And 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 the shampoos from those that he's he's kept, and that's what he uses. By the way, is there anything worse than the soaps and the shampoos that they give you in a hotel? It's color. The shampoo is basically colored water. Like there is no cleansing product in that shampoo that you get at a hotel. But I digress. You know he's had a surplus of that stuff, and now because of everything that's going on. It's run out, and he had to go out and buy. It's almost like that show Step Brothers when they had to actually go to the store and buy toilet paper. They've never done that before. That's what it sounded like to me when I was hearing Tommy explaining buying soap for the first time. It puts the lotion on its skin <laughs> or it gets the hose again. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. <laughs> Though I do like hearing from Tommy because, like me, he goes to YouTube. He watches a lot of old school pro wrestling, and it's fun to know what Tommy Dreamer is watching on a day to day. And I just found out, and this is life changing for me, bully. He's going to have a garage sale. All that memorabilia, you know, he's going to have a yard sale. So I hope I get on that quick when all this stuff kind of slows down and we get back to normal. I can just picture you running over to Tommy's house, oh going God, through all his God. magazines. Oh, Tommy, you got a you got a, uh, uh, an edition of the wrestler with Bob Backlund's signature on it. Ooh, 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 ooh! You got Sergeant Slaughter. Ooh, ooh! How much do you want for it? Um, I don't have any money right now, so I'll take five dollars. Five dollars? That's oh, that's expensive. Let me ask the nation if I can borrow five dollars. <laughs> In my defense, it wasn't just Bob Backlund's autograph. It's also Adrian Adonis's autograph. That's Adrian huge. Adonis in, 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 a, in the sleeper match, one of the sleeper match of the nights at WrestleMania 3. Yep. Adonis versus Piper in the hair mat and the shaving of the head. I liked it. All right, enough with this uh, shenanigans. Boom, we got some wrestling to talk about. Yeah, and also a programming reminder at what time would it be? 11 a.m. Eastern time. Jim Ross is going to come on to talk about his his book, Under the Black Hat, which is going to be available next Tuesday. You can go to Amazon.com right now and pre-order the book. I read it. It's absolutely phenomenal. We're going to be talking to Jim Ross in just a little bit to talk about this. So looking forward to talking to JR. Uh, always, but- always great to talk to JR. I want to ask him some AEW questions. Plus, I want to, I want to dive into like his train of thought during the whole Benoit documentary. Uh, going to be good talking to him. 
And also, you know, you know, watching AEW last night and, you know, not being able to be a, a part of that commentating team, which is he's been a, a part of since day one. So a lot to talk about with JR. And let's get into last night because as we keep talking about here on Busted Open, Bully, we're just rolling, man. I mean, the world of pro wrestling is just rolling. And I kind of said this, and it sounded crazy even typing it, but I want to get your take on it. I've almost now gotten used to not having the crowd at these shows because now it's been multiple shows across the board with AEW, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown about not having a crowd. And Honestly, watching NXT and AEW last night, it didn't affect me. I'm I'm starting getting used to the fact that we're getting these shows in empty venues. Yeah, well, eventually inmates get used to living in their jail cell too. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to live in a jail cell. You'd rather be out there living in your own home out in the in the free world, but you you're sucking it up and you're doing what you got to do to still enjoy wrestling. It's the only thing out there, man. And and you got to give the wrestling business credit. You know, uh, I was actually talking to a friend of ours, friend of mine, friend of ours, you know, you, you ever watch Donnie Brasco? You got to be careful. You never know when you're going to get whacked. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of ours. Actually, he could be an enemy. I'm not sure. Maybe he's the enemy now. Ever since he left this whole Corona stuff and all the, I was speaking to Big Dick Eagle. Oh, Big Dick Eagle. Ugh. Not a fan. Uh, Not a fan. Well, I mean, he left, and 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 yeah, you're right. Things changed. Things changed drastically when Big Dick Eagle left the show. <laughs> Whenever Big Dick leaves, you know there's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I lost my train of thought. Why did I? Why was I talking about Big Dick Eagle? What was I saying? I don't know. You said you were night? talking to him last night. Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. So let's carry on. I forgot. All right. <laughs> So let's much, move on. So much for those seat, so much for those chair shots not having any effect. <laughs> let's let's move on. Um, so yeah, you said you've gotten used to. We're adapting now. Uh, the world of pro wrestling keeps moving. It's all that we have, as you said. And again, like we usually do on Thursday mornings, I'm very very happy with the shows that we saw last night. I thought AEW was very good, and. Absolutely, without a doubt, I think NXT has been much better than what we've seen on Mondays with Raw and Fridays with SmackDown. Um, another great effort by both companies. I found myself flipping back and forth last night because I knew both shows would be very wrestling heavy. So I wanted to see what matchup would be in the ring at any given time as opposed to another uh, another match and what would you know keep my interest i think they both did uh, a good job with their shows catering to their fan bases nxt you know stayed very dedicated to their storylines um especially at the end of the show and it was really interesting the two closing segments of nxt and aew i thought were very well done i did have <clears throat> a little bit of a, not a problem or an issue. I was just curious as to why they decided to do things a certain way. And there was something that NXT did not do that AEW did do that I wish NXT would have done. And, did and you this pick is, up on it, Dave? And this is in regards to the ending segment of the show? Yes, what did AEW do in their final segment that I wish NXT would have done in their final segment 
that I think would have made the NXT final segment even more believable. Wow, interesting. Um, is it the micro- the use of the microphones? Ding, ding, ding. Circle gets the square. La Greca, every once in a while, you impress me. <laughs> I, wow. Um, Johnny, I felt- tell him what he's won. Well, you've won uh, one day out in public and some fresh air. <laughs> you've won be- a day away from your wife and children. That, is, that would be good. Um, uh, I thought the same thing. Um, you're not playing in front of a crowd. You're, you know, the people who you're talking to are mere feet away from you. There's no reason to use the microphones and scream into a microphone. Um, I'm not going to say it took away from the segment, but it was noticeable that they were using the microphones when you're, there's there's three people in the room and the two people that you're talking to are right in front of you. You don't need the mic. I loved Jericho and Matt Hardy not using a microphone and and the cameras just picking up what they were doing. The camera was the fly on the wall in the conversation between Chris and Matt. The camera was the fly on the wall while Jericho in his, you know, drunkenness is talking to a drone, which was hysterical. Yeah. Um, so... It worked, and and I liked it because it was so different. Whenever I had a chance when I was cutting promos, and I would do this more at live events or house shows, I would not use a microphone. I, my, I would let my voice carry, so it would be different. Not using the microphone is different, so that's why I appreciated what Chris and Matt were trying to do. And then I'm watching <clears throat> Gargano, Ciampa, and Hunter, and I'm like, wow. This is an intimate conversation. This intimate conversation doesn't need a microphone at all. It would have been great for the, you know, the, and especially in the WWE, you're never supposed to play to the camera. Everything is fly on the wall where the camera is kind of catching what goes on in the WWE universe. If Hunter was out there with a microphone at first, I don't think I would have, you know, necessarily minded. He didn't need it. None of them needed it. That ha- that guy, that cameraman could have jumped right up onto the apron. <clears throat> excuse me. And Hunter could have just said right into the into the you know camera. This has been going on long enough. Blah blah blah. I know how this is. Me and Sean went through it. It's kind of like Hunter could have told the story to the people at home and said, "Hey guys, let me let you in on a little secret. I totally get what's going on between these two guys because me and my buddy had been through it before." And then he says what he's got to say to Ciampa. Here comes Gargano. And without the microphone, Gargano could have just been yelling and screaming. And then that whole conversation could have taken place. And we could have just been sitting back and felt like, wow, I'm, I'm seeing something here that maybe I wasn't supposed to see. I mean, we know it's on TV that we're supposed to see it. But by not having the microphone, it would have given me this, this the feeling of, like maybe these guys were in a in a closed room backstage. No, you 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 make a lot of sense in what you're saying because I like again I'm not going to say it took away from it, but I it was very very noticeable about them having those microphones, all three having the microphones, and you go about AEW and how they didn't do that, 
And it was funny because it looked like at one point Matt Hardy was playing up to a crowd, like when he was doing the singing, and he was playing up to a crowd that was not there. And Jericho questioned it. He's like, what are you doing? There's no crowd here. There's no people here. Like, and, and it added to the it added to the segment a little bit because it's true. Why why hide the fact? Why have business as usual? We all know that there are no fans in the venue. So you know what? Use that. Do things a little bit differently. Adapt. And I thought you're right. AEW without having the microphones and NXT having the microphones, it was very, very noticeable. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. One of the great friends of our show and somebody who's been a, a big part of our history, and he's making history not only in the world of wrestling that we see every single Wednesday and everything he's done in his past, but his new book that's coming out this Tuesday. I've been lucky enough to read it, and it's I said it on social media. I think it's one of the best wrestling books I have ever read, and it's Under the Black Hat. You can pre-order it now. It's available to everyone on Tuesday. Please go to Amazon.com to pre-order your copy, and it's the one and only Hall of Famer, Jim Ross. Jim, how are you? It's me and Bully Ray. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you guys? We're great, and, and, and JR, I'm really excited. First of all, thank you. I mean, I, it, I mean a, a lot of emotion came over me when I looked at your new book, and in any acknowledgments, you acknowledged our show. So, man, I truly, truly appreciate that, JR. Thank you. Well, I meant it, and you guys have been a great uh, help to me. And more importantly, uh, you, you, you provide a great service for the pro wrestling world, and I think that's that's uh, one of the greatest things we can do. We've never had that kind of ambassadors uh, that can talk our story and and, and respect the business. <clears throat> Pardon me. So uh, it's the least I could do, and you guys are my friends. So, and of course, Bob, Bob's still on his ass to work on his calves, but nonetheless, I think he'll be okay in the long run. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying, Jr. I really am. I, you can't go to the gym, so so I do so I do these donkey calf raises. I put I put velvet on my back, and I and I keep going up and down with her about a hundred times. That's not such a bad oh, thing. You, what a dirty man you are! <laughs> wow, a hundred times. I'm talking about calf raises. Calf raises here. I was gonna, yeah. I, I was going to say with Violetta, it's only about ten times. Um, so so Jim doing <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, you know, Jim, the, the one great thing about having this book is that you've you've had the first. It was a huge success. And and this book now picks up where the the first book ended. Right. And uh, we have a different publisher. Thank goodness. Uh, we have Simon Schuster working with us on this book. <clears throat> and they're a difference maker. It's like going from uh, being booked in continental wrestling being booked uh, for WrestleMania and WWE or something. Uh, it's wow. just a difference in night and day. So I'm, I'm a very appreciative and thankful that we are working with the great folks at Simon & Schuster, Teller Press, uh, to get this thing going. And, you know, it's been uh, the book has been doing good. Uh, it's number one in Amazon uh, pre-sales. And the number two selling uh, 
release is the audio version of the book, which is honestly the hardest thing I've ever done in, in any endeavor, trying to read this book and, uh, and not, not break up. So it's, it was, uh, it's, it's been a really, really unique adventure last since Jan got killed in uh, March of 17. I had that other book in me. <clears throat> we knew we were going to write it. I dreaded writing it because I had to write about her. Uh, and that was daunting to say the least. So it's a great story. It's true stories. It's not a tell all. It's not a poor me. I'm, I'm the luckiest son of a bitch in the world, quite frankly. Uh, so I, I hope that folks at least check it out, uh, either the audio version or the hardback. And, you know, Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon. We got a deal on my website, jrsbbq.com, where you can get a, a copy personally autographed uh, and, and we pay the freight, ship it to you. So that's that offers on my site at jrsbbq.com. So there's a lot of ways to get it. Barnes and Noble, as I mentioned, uh, Books a Million. Uh, I was really excited about going to WrestleMania and seeing you guys and, and doing some book signings. But of course, the virus has, has, uh, has uh, won't put anybody over. So here we are. <laughs> that is so true. Um, JR, you talked about how writing this book was difficult because you had to you know, relive everything that happened with Jan. One of the things that I, when I was watching the Benoit documentary, I I felt like a lot of people came out of it feeling a little bit better because they were able to get so much off their chest for the first time. Did you feel the same way about writing the book? Was it almost cathartic for you or helpful to you to get out all your feelings and emotions about what you went through and your wife's passing? I think it was, Bubba. I think it was. Uh, you, you know, for all of us, no matter what our trials and tribulations are, you know, you got to be able to communicate and share, and don't internalize. Don't uh, don't keep everything to yourself. Uh, don't be a tough guy or a tough girl. Uh, be able to be brave enough to share your issues with other people. And this is the ultimate way of doing that, in my view. Because you know, I talk about things I never talked about before. I talked about things that were basically kept under wraps. And that were just that Jan and I knew, you know, nobody knew uh, that, uh, you know, I was self-medicating. Nobody knew that I was really sick. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, it's just, it's just hard to explain everything that I went through. And then, so I, I, I wrote about it, Paul Brian and I wrote about it, my, my great partner in Ireland, which is also another interesting topic to talk about how we wrote the book with me in Oklahoma and him in Ireland. You can't get there from here type deal. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a thing where uh, I'm just it was I had to tell the story, and it was cathartic to get it off my chest, so to speak. But then I re- I picked it all back up when I went back in the studio to read the book for the audio version, and there's where it really got dicey, because everything I wrote about I lived, everything I wrote about I experienced, so I, that means I felt things. I'll give an example, one quick example. When, when there was a couple, there's spots in there where she and I were talking about certain things. I could remember when I read that, how she smelt that day, her perfume, uh, her, just her essence. And I could smell that in the studio. And then I was, everything I, like I said, everything I wrote about, I lived. And then all of a sudden I get, I get so much, so many tears in my eyes. I can't read. I can't see to read. So I, it took me about twice as long to finish the audio version of the book as it, than it did to, 
than I should have. But I couldn't help it. I had to relive it again, everything. And it was so vivid, so real. So uh, I think folks are going to enjoy this, this story. It's not a sad story in as much as, you know, by God, I'm here. I'm, I'm like a lot of I'm alive, I'm well, I'm happy. Uh, I'm lucky to have the job I got. I'm lucky to still be chopping wood at 68. And, uh, you know, even though I'm in a high-risk group and I didn't go to AEW this week because of the, the damn virus, uh, I'm very fortunate to be where I am in life. And you mentioned about how vivid it was. If, as for me to read it, I was I was kind of dreading that last chapter. You know, it's chapter twenty three in the book, because you knew it was coming. And man, I I got to give you all the credit in the world, Jr. for for being so honest and and sharing those memories. Like you said, memories that you only shared with her that you're now sharing with all the people that. Are buying this book. I mean, I can't tell you. I can't give you enough credit to be able to to be that honest and open. Because very, very rare do you see even when people author a book that they're that open and share that much. And you were able to do that. So a lot of credit to you to be able to open your open your emotions that way. Well, it's uh, I I felt it was I was on a mission to to make this. Look, at my, at my, I'm on the back nine, guys. You go BS each other. In 68, I feel great. I'm healthy. Knocked on woods. I'm knocking on right now. Uh, but, you know, I'm, how many more books am I going to write? Sovereign Rocket was a great success. And this, and then now it's out in paperback. And, now, and then this, uh, under the black hat, I, I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be honest. I wanted to be, I want my grandkids to be able to read it and their kids to be able to read it. But, you know, Grandpa was a crazy old bastard from time to time. He made some mistakes. He got knocked to his knees more than once. But but, but lo and behold, uh, the old son of a gun got back up. And right now I'm up, and, I, and I'm appreciative of that. JR, it's great to hear that you're doing well. And um, you can tell that you're having a blast over there at AEW. And I want to switch gears for a second. Every time uh, I watch the show on Wednesday nights, it seems that AEW is is one step ahead of the rest of the wrestling business right now, whether it was there, you know, um, the the way they allowed the boys to hang out at ringside two weeks ago and act as fans, or last night, Matt Hardy and Jericho not using a microphone in the last segment. Who back there is coming up with a lot of these suggestions or ideas uh, that is keeping uh, Dynamite one step ahead of everybody else right now? Uh, Bob, that'd be Tony Khan. Uh, you know, he's he's living his dream. He's a he's got an idyllic life. You know, son of a gun, and he's fun as hell to be around. But he's he's always thinking. He he has he has one of the greatest recalls. He's not like the guys that we know. He's a lifer in the for pro wrestling. He just has been a lifer as a fan until now. But Tony Khan comes up with a lot of that stuff, and and Cody. You know, Cody's got that great DNA, man, and he's always got ideas. And you can hear that last night on his commentary because he wrote most of the show, obviously. Uh, and he's, uh, you could hear his commentary on what his thoughts were. So you got, you found out his motivation for what he created. He and Tony together, but Tony Khan's the point guy, no doubt about that. 
And, and and Jr. Like what you've been able to do too, because it's not just your career in the WWE, the work you did with New Japan, and now the work you're doing with AEW, and even authoring two books. Like you take chances. Like you don't need to do this. Like you you have done so much in your career that you everyone is going to remember you. People talk to you about you're the greatest voice in the history of this sport. But man, my God, at, at your age, you don't rest on your laurels at all. You know, you keep reinventing yourself. You keep taking chances. And is that is that by design or is it just by circumstance? No, it's by design, Dave. I, when Jan got killed in 17, I was I was really in, in shock for so long that I, I didn't realize how depressed I was. I didn't realize uh, how big a hole I was in uh, psychologically. You know, hell, I went for weeks without even wearing a watch where I didn't know I, didn't, I put my watch on one day, and I hadn't worn it in like three weeks. I quit telling time. I quit going to the door. I got I went to the mailbox. You know, I got booked twice in 2018. I was thinking 2018 would be a good rebounding year. I got booked twice, and and but I got paid now. I got paid really good. I worked two times in, in, in a year. And some people are going to say, "Boy, what a deal that was, Jr. What a hell of a deal that was." It it, it was a hell of a deal, and I'm very appreciative of Vince and how he took care of me all those years. Uh, but I had to, you know, I don't know. I, I just had to, I had to express what I was feeling and I had to, I want to tell the truth in the story. And I want people to know that all of us can get our ass quit. All of us can get knocked down. The only guy I know that hasn't lost a fight is Bubba. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, but nonetheless, uh, that's his story and mine. We're sticking to it by God. But I, I just, I just wanted to, I wanted people to know how important she was, how important our, 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 our significant others are in our lives, and the fact that no matter – we're all going to get dealt bad hands, man. Bad hands are going to happen to all of us at some point in time, and I, I just believe that's how you respond to that. And Because I had a good chance to not do a damn thing. I had money uh, here by myself. I had My life was okay. I was sort of missing that void, but I felt compelled to write this book with Paul and and uh, it's been, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great success. And and, it's, and I'm so happy for that because it means that people care about my story and they want to learn more about it and the truth behind the scenes. And gosh, you know, uh, I'm sure Bubba could tell, Dave, tell us a million stories about, you know, JR and talent relations or, or this, that, and the other. Uh, I think that's my biggest accomplishment in wrestling was the talents that I was able to sign the contracts and provide an opportunity, a jersey, if you will, to get in the game. And then uh, so many of the guys that we signed, like Bubba and Devon, for example, they, then they got a jersey, and then they got the game. Then, by God, they played. And that's exactly the the, the, the the mission was. And I feel real comfortable to say that of all the things I've done in wrestling, I think that my uh, opportunities, to create opportunities for guys, is the greatest accomplishment. Uh, and the biggest word you use right there is opportunity because I, I learned firsthand in your office about that word, opportunity. I remember that we had two meetings with you, Jr. and on our second meeting, uh, sitting in your office in Stanford, Vince came to the meeting, and I asked Vince about the push. I said, Vince, I'd like to talk to you about the push. And Vince kind of giggled. And he, and he looked at me and Devon, and he goes, there is no push. What there is is opportunity. 
And man, you know, looking back on it now, you you you, you hear that word, and that word takes on such a different meaning because that's exactly right. WWE afforded us an opportunity. And I think it was different back then about the opportunities that guys and girls were granted as opposed to the opportunities that are there today. Back then, you had an opportunity handed to you, and if you could score a touchdown every time, by God, you were going to be allowed to score a touchdown. Now, you're only allowed to score a touchdown when they want you to score a touchdown. So uh, that word opportunity resonates. JR, I just want to flip over to the Benoit documentary for a second. I, I was telling Dave that uh, I enjoyed your portion of the documentary so much because I felt like I was watching a brutally honest side of you that I'm not quite sure I might have ever seen. You basically came across to me on that documentary like, fuck it, here's what happened, here's the way it happened, and I'm just going to tell the story. And what I'd like to know a little bit more about is how difficult it was for you to go to that funeral. Well, that's a, there's a story in itself. Uh, the funeral I went to was for Nancy and, uh, and Daniel. And uh, I was here in Oklahoma, and uh, I was actually at my restaurant. It was open at the time, believe it or not. Uh, before it had his funeral, uh, but nonetheless, two, two of them. But in any event, don't have any regrets. Don't look back. Never look back. Just keep on rolling. Uh, but I, I, I was close with Chris. You know, I, I pushed hard to sign him. You know, I had to go through all the same stuff. When, I, when we hired, when we signed the radicals, the big issue in some, with some in the company, they're too small. They're too short. They're always that height thing. It's such a pain in the ass. Have to deal with, and you have we'd have riders who didn't really understand. Maybe they had never been in a fight. I tell guys this all the time: I said, people that think everybody's too short have probably never had their ass bit by a smaller person, because that that height thing is irrelevant to me, quite frankly. You know, we got guys in AEW now that are not giants. We hear about that all the time, but they're giants in their heart. They're giants in their spirit. They're young. They're enthusiastic, and they want to do well. So uh, I, I just. I don't know, man. I, 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 I really enjoyed being there. But the, the issue with Chris, uh, they did a hell of a job in that documentary. I mean, it's strong. It's really strong. And if you're a wrestling fan, at some point in time, you got to sample it. you got to watch it. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I, always, uh, I always had great respect for Chris. Jan and I, here's a hell of a story. At WrestleMania 18, uh, which was a, a headline by, you know, Rock and Hogan uh, in Toronto, uh, we had Dollar not change roles basically because we had prepared, so to speak, that Hogan's going to be the heel on the evil NWO. Of course, The Rock was The Rock, the greatest. So uh, <clears throat> I, uh, we had dinner with uh, Nancy and and and, uh, and Chris. It's hard to believe that all that of the four people that were in that dinner, I'm the only one alive. And I don't like that. It's tough, wow. man. Really, really tough. So I, I had so many meetings with him. I told somebody the other day, I, said that the, the, I was standing in Atlanta. Benoit was hurt, bad neck, uh, all the wear and tear, all the chances, all the contact, all the impact, all the physicality. He was he was breaking up. Neck was a big issue. So uh, we're standing in Atlanta at TV. He's off work. I said, and we get the test results back. And he, So we had two ways to go. You could go through the surgery through the front uh, and take a year off to heal. 
or they could go through the back, take a shorter time to heal, but you would not be it would not be a fix. It would be a band aid. So I said, I'm, I made the decision for us, Chris. We're going to have you off for a year. And man, it's, he just he just went ash and white. And I said, and, and I know you're worried about getting paid. I know you're worried about taking care of your family. You don't have to worry about that anymore. From this point forward, that is a non-issue. You'll get your check every single week. And man, he grabbed me uh, and hugged. I thought he was going to give me a belly to belly on the floor there in Atlanta. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> I just I didn't know. I mean, he, he was he, he was just extraordinary, you know. So he gave me this hug and. And it's a bonding thing. So I, I, Barry Switzer told me one time, you recruit your players for life, and guys like like you, Bubba, you'll always be special to me because you're one of my guys that we brought in that helped change the culture of the locker room. And that was what we were trying to do all along was change the culture of the locker room and give some younger athletic guys an opportunity to play. We made we hit we hit a lot of guys that we're lucky. You know, you have one recruiting class where you signed Lesnar and Orton and Batista and uh, this guy named John Cena and uh, then the best athlete of the group was Shelton Benjamin. So we were lucky. We had we had a lot of good hits. You know, guys like Jerry Briscoe and our team, Tom Pritchard. We had a great team there. Uh, that I don't leave anybody's name out, but I, I am unfortunately. But it was a it was a it was a it was an idyllic time for me. You know, my favorite time of the business was changing that culture of the locker room and bringing guys like Bub and Devon in who have paid their dues, were skilled professionals, they had high skill sets, and they wanted to play. So uh, I'm uh, I'm really tickled about all that stuff. The Benoit situation was, I don't know how you I don't know how you get away from it. But those guys have done an amazing job. I've done a lot of work for Evan and those guys that took going forward. But I don't know that we're going to do anything as heavy as uh, this Benoit story. It was uh, it's hard to believe it even happened. It's still it's still hard for me. I don't know about you guys. I still yeah. think about it in terms of how the hell did this happen? What happened here? What happened here? And so this this uh, documentary kind of explains all that, at least as best they can, uh, with the information they had available. And, and the ratings have been fantastic. The, the episode did a tremendous rating. It's obviously their highest rating that they've got on the series, and the YouTube videos are well over a million. And it's a, we talked about it on the show JR and that you know we never mentioned the name Chris Benoit in almost 13 years like if if anyone called about Chris Benoit I wouldn't take the phone call and now it seems like over the last week because of this documentary people are actually talking about him and talking about Nancy Benoit who was the victim here but because of the situation people don't speak her name as well yeah not fair it's not fair uh, everybody's like how do you handle it you know how do you what do you do with a big elephant in a room? You know, do you, can you ignore it? Well, you can, but it's not easy. And should you ignore it? I don't think you should ignore it. I said, I said this. And I got some, I got some controversy on this. I didn't say it to get a controversial statement. I was, I was asking. My answer was, does Chris Benoit belong in the Hall of Fame? Well, if it's just for wrestling, of course he does. Of course he does. But knowing him as I did, and the closer we got during that surgery and his healing and all those things. I really believe this, fellas. I may be wrong, but I really believe in my heart that if we had the opportunity to talk to Chris about going into the WWE Hall of Fame, he would say, "Don't do it. I don't. I don't want to be a distraction." Because the name Benoit, we just discussed this. Would, that would that would be the topic. It would be the last forty-eight hours or so of uh, three people's lives that died unnecessarily early uh, that we still can't really put our head around. 
but but I I, I just uh, I, I just believe that the story had to be told. My like my story with Jan. People don't know how important she was in talent relations. They're going they're going to know. They didn't know my total relationship with Vince and some of the things that we that we encountered and we disagreed on. Uh, and that and making and the people think, well, Jr. going to do a tell all. He's going to rip blast Vince. Why would I blast a guy that's made me financially independent? Uh, we didn't always agree creatively, or philosophically. I didn't agree with some of the things that happened to me creatively. But at the end of the day, you know, man up. You took the my dad and man would say, "Are you taking his money?" I say, "Hell yeah, I'm taking his money, Dad." Well, then do what the hell he wants. And at the day you can't do what he what you're instructed to do when you can't run the plays that are called from the bench. Then that's the day you need to move on. So I just never felt like moving on. And but when my contract was up in eighteen, or excuse me, in nineteen, I guess it was now. Uh, the next day, I was signed with AEW. So I, we had a plan to move there and, and to go there. And Barry Bloom had worked out a deal with Tony Khan, and Tony Khan was I was a high priority to get signed, which I didn't really know until after the fact. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference, but I wanted to work. I want to get back in the game, man. Uh, I don't know how many more of these days I got. And so I want to look every day is going to be important to me. And that's why talking to you guys is always an uplifting thing for me. And I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, and talking about this project, but, uh, there's just so many great things going on in wrestling and you guys lead the way by representing our business in a respectful, loving way. And I wish we could have more of that from the fans instead of some trollers. And, you know, I, I'm, I did a, sent out a tweet last night saying how proud I was of how the, how the, the team, the AEW team, responded in, uh, on TV Wednesday night with the show that they put on. It was uh, – and somebody I, – I, I, I got the wrong Cody in my tweet because shame on my ass. I was tired. I might have been drinking, uh, maybe. And then uh, – <laughs> but I, I missed <laughs> – I messed up, and but that got that little thing, the wrong Twitter handle for Cody, made that. Well, Jr. is it's a gimmick he's doing. He's mispronouncing names on purpose, wrong, uh, and then he, you know, he screwed up Cody's name. Why did he do that? Is there an agenda type deal? Are you serious? Uh, no, I made a human error, but everybody, everybody jumps in these human errors, fellas. You know how that goes. You get it too. So it's just not. It's that underbelly of wrestling that. That, that we could stop. It's a decision that some fans have got to make to, ne- to always, you got to stop looking at the damn glass half empty. It's half full. And I believe in that. I may sound corny. You know, I may sound like a motivational speaker. I'm not. I just want to believe that. I, I mean, especially right now, JR, I mean, if you look at the world we're living in, we have no sports. No live sports. Nothing is going on. It seems as if the world of sports and the world of entertainment have come to a complete stop. However, the world of sports entertainment keeps on rolling. And I think that's where we're all blessed and where the glass is half full comes in, uh, comes into play. I mean, look at this. We get Raw every Monday. We get Dynamite and NXT every Wednesday. We get SmackDown every Friday. And even though it's completely stripped down, we're, we're still getting pro wrestling, and now six days a week, we still have Busted Open coming on and interacting with fans all over the world about the one and only thing that resembles a sport or entertainment 
still out there for the people. Pro wrestling will never, ever let you down because the show keeps going on. And that right there, to me, will always speak volumes as how the glass is half full. Yeah, couldn't agree more, brother. Well, well said. Well, the name of the book is Under the Black Hat. I can't recommend this book enough. I mean, I like I said earlier in the show, and I've said on social media, it's one of the best wrestling books. I, honestly, it's one of the best books that I have ever read. It's My Life in the WWE and Beyond, Under the Black Hat. It's released on Tuesday, but you can pre-order right now. And once it comes out on Tuesday, it's going to be available everywhere. But obviously, in the environment we're in right now, I, I suggest everyone that's listening to my voice, Definitely go and buy this book. Have it delivered because this is the best opportunity. Like like Bully and, and JR just said, let's take advantage of the time that we're in right now. And you know what? Read this book because it's absolutely phenomenal. JR, thank you for all the time. Thank you for everything you've done for this show. And thank you for an amazing book, Under the Black Hat. We really, really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, number one. I, always, I listen to the show every day. Uh, in one form or the other, either live or on the on the app, uh, I'm a big fan. I love to hear the talk about wrestling. I love to hear what people's what's on people's mind. I I care, uh, and I'm invested. I care about the fans, and I'm a I'm one that supports all wrestling. You know, I don't feel the hype, the sizzle for WrestleMania this year that we normally do, and it's because of the virus. It's not because of anything else, in my view, but there, it's just we're living in such interesting times. It's a hell of a time to be a wrestling fan, and one of the things we can think as wrestling fans, we can think is or is busted open and what you guys do for our business and help perpetuate and grow our business. And we've all got to be aware of that. We've got to grow our business no matter who it is. And uh, sort of, I appreciate listening to a- watching AEW. Hope you guys enjoyed the show on Wednesday night. Uh, but but to, to do what they did in a production sense, with you know, I think that set had. I think the, the rule was you couldn't have ten people around the ring, so you couldn't do an eight-man tag. You couldn't do a, you can you couldn't do well. You had to count on managers. You had to count on referees. For the things they did uh, production-wise, with a short crew, was nothing short of extraordinary on Wednesday night. And uh, so it's it's a good time to be alive. I'm, I wish Jan was here to to enjoy it with me, uh, but she's not. And physically, I know she's here in spirit, and because I feel her. I feel I feel her presence on certain things and certain things come up. When I get confused, when I get angry, when I get frustrated, when I want to cry, I think of her and how happy she made me and, and how what a life we had together. And that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to document all those trials and tribulations behind the scenes and then the real story behind them and how she related to a lot of that stuff and told me through, look, when you're taking Ambien and Xanax, and chasing it with Crown Royal as your medicine each each night, I was I was trying to die, and I didn't even know it. And but nobody knew it. Nobody knew. I didn't miss work. I didn't miss TV. I didn't miss the office day. I was there. And so I just felt like one of the reasons I was able to maintain my sanity and my level of work was her support. And it's just that it sounds corny, but man, when you read the book, you're going to see it clear as hell. And you're going to respect your significant others even more because of the role they play in our lives. So uh, I'm lucky, guys. I had her for 25 years. I've had the business since 1974. Can you believe that? I'm an old bastard. The man I'm living, I'm loving life. I'm loving life, and I'm loving the pro wrestling business more today 
than I've ever I've ever had. JR, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and thank you, and great success with the book. It's it's phenomenal, and we, as always, appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You bet, guys. Thanks, right. JR. Take care, my friend. Jim hey, Ross uh, again. Today, I, I, uh, I have my, my podcast comes out. I didn't mention it. No big deal. It, it's a funny story. It's about Clash 1 and the chance that Dusty and uh, Jimmy Crockett took on putting two play-by-play guys together for this live primetime show clash one was something we talked about recently and today's show is about uh wrestlemania nine my first booking in wwe which kind of got a lot of stories in that too so i mean i'm loving the podcast stuff i'm staying as good as i can guys i don't when i have free time i'll just say this good old jr doesn't do real well with a lot of extra time he can make some bad decisions i'm told so uh i really i really uh, enjoy doing all the stuff the podcast and all those things so I appreciate you guys very much, and thanks for the help. And, and I, I, I can't thank you enough. I really, I really can't. Very, love, very much. Love you, Jr. Love you, love you, Jr. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.